On November 2nd, 2021, the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services, also known as CMS, issued its final calendar year 2022 Home Health Perspective Payment System Rule and finalized proposed provisions allowing occupational therapists to perform the initial and comprehensive assessments required to open Medicare home health therapy cases beginning on January 1, 2022. Today, I'm happy to be joined by three experts on this topic to discuss what this rule means for occupational therapists. Jennifer Bogenreef, AOTA Assistant Director of Regulatory Affairs with nearly 20 years of experience in health policy. Karen Vance, a recently retired occupational therapist with over 40 years of home health experience and was on the founding committee for and chaired twice on the Home and Community Health SIS. And Clarice Grody, occupational therapist and founder of Amplify OT, an online resource for occupational therapy practitioners to learn about policy, advocacy, legislation, and quality initiatives. Jen, as a member of AOTA's regulatory affairs team, let's start with you. Can you speak a little bit about how AOTA and our advocates achieved this important step for the profession? Sure. Thanks, Chelsea. It took years of advocacy and multiple departments at AOTA were involved and, of course, member expert volunteers like Karen and Clarice, and Clarice even when she was a fieldwork student at AOTA. We found bipartisan champions in Congress to introduce the legislation and help find co-sponsors. We also sought stakeholder support to make sure that no organizations objected. That was important to being sure that the legislation could move forward. Um, AOTA staff and member experts remained diligent, and we had to adjust our approach to seek an achievable goal to improve patient access to occupational therapy services. We met with staff from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and from CMS to help get them on board with the policy changes that we were looking to make. Um, And we really believe that this advocacy helped us achieve the early public health emergency flexibility that CMS allowed in April of 2020 when agencies were learning how to manage the COVID-19 pandemic. So due to our previous advocacy, CMS understood at that time the role of occupational therapy and how we could help during the pandemic. So we really believe that this new permanent flexibility supports the value of occupational therapy and home health, and that it allows the opportunity for occupational therapists to highlight their contributions to the home health plan of care and patient outcomes. And can you explain why this doesn't make OT a qualifying service? Sure. Under current statute, occupational therapy alone cannot establish eligibility for home health services under Medicare. Um, And to change that, Congress has to pass a law. And to do that, they consider whether a law would have a cost. So allowing occupational therapy to establish eligibility was going to be associated with a cost. We adjusted our initial efforts and instead focused on allowing occupational therapists to open therapy-only cases because that was considered to have a zero cost. To qualify for the Medicare home health benefit, a Medicare beneficiary must be confined to the home, be under the care of a physician or a loud practitioner. Um, They must be receiving services under a plan of care established and periodically reviewed by a physician or an allowed practitioner. They must be in need of skilled nursing care on an intermittent basis for physical therapy or speech language pathology. 
or they must have a continuing need for occupational therapy. While there is Medicare eligibility criteria for the home health benefit, occupational therapy may be a qualifying service for other payers, such as Medicaid or private insurance. And remember, occupational therapy does qualify an individual for home health services on a continuing need basis, which means that a person can continue to receive occupational therapy even after they have been discharged from all other services. We believe that occupational therapy has been underutilized in the past due to perception and some misinterpretations of Medicare policy, and that this new permanent flexibility presents an opportunity to show the value of occupational therapy in home health. That's right, Jen. I know we talked about this years ago. This is Karen, by the way. We really discovered that the whole uh, issue of OT not being a qualifying service hurt agencies and hurt the profession of OT as well, primarily due due to the perception of the value OT was bringing to the agency. As a consultant to home health agencies for years, I would talk to agencies who who said, yeah, we changed a position we had in the paper from OT to PT because, quote unquote, PTs can start cases. And so it it was really problematic that the perception of the agency was that OT wasn't as valuable as another discipline because of that. So there is a lot of value coming uh, with being able to open a case, even if OT still is not a qualifying discipline. So um, that's that's one piece that I think is very good for, for people to understand. The other thing is mostly a misperception, and that is the fact that so many people misinterpret the idea of a qualifying service versus a skilled service. And they think that because OT is not a uh, qualifying service for a Medicare Part A patient, that they're also not a skilled service. I've heard many agencies say, oh, well, you know, OT can't be in after everybody else is discharged or OT can't uh, be in and uh, supervise the aid, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, which of course is all a misinterpretation or a misperception. So we've been dealing with this actually for quite some time and, and this really is going to give us um, an, an opportunity. Now, I know, too, that there are people out there that are saying that they have other, mis- well, what we explain to them as misinterpretations that um, Medicare says, even though OT may be able to do a start of care, that Medicare has a hierarchy of disciplines. And that's just not true. Medicare does not have a hierarchy of disciplines. Agencies oftentimes have a hierarchy, um, but that's primarily because agencies are in the habit of making rules. Uh, Rules are a lot easier to follow and to enforce than clinical reasoning. (laughs) And what we have found is that, you know, it's a lot easier for them to just say, here's a list, go down the list and pick the next one that's available as opposed to saying, look at this patient we just got a referral on, wouldn't this be a great patient for OT to open because of the match between the patient's need and the OT skill set? So it's been a long haul, wouldn't you say, Jen? Yes, definitely. 
And Karen, can you explain how allowing OT to perform the initial and comprehensive assessments to open Medicare home health therapy cases brings value to the agency or to the OT profession? Well, it actually does both. It starts with that whole perception business. But some other things have been happening, too, recently that kind of increased or heightened that uh, that very point. It has to do with the implementation of PDGM when it was implemented um, in January of 2020. We were hearing from a lot of therapists across the United States saying that agencies were trying to provide fewer therapy visits. Of course, this was on the heels of 20 years of a different payment system that agencies got more money for having more therapy. So it was um, kind of a 180 degree turn. So when OTs, as I said, can now perform initial, initial and comprehensive assessments that change their perception from the agency of OT, it's not just a flexibility thing in terms of having just more people available to do starts of care, but also if indeed we can start giving agencies the message about the value of OT in certain circumstances where our skill set would be much better, um, a much better match with the patient's needs and show them how right out the gate, right off the bat, if we can be in there on that first visit and help a patient with their needs, it may very well be possible that we could um, help reduce rehospitalization rates, et cetera. So there is that value of not just the increased flexibility, but the increased value that OT brings to being able to do the start of care. Another thing, too, that we've heard is that um, some agencies have, in trying to reduce visits, have ignored or deleted orders for OT even, and responding by saying that PT can do what OT would do. But you know what? That's, that's on us. That's on OTs to make sure our agencies understand the distinct value that OTs have and how different that is from what, T, what uh, PT brings to the plate. I think what we are hoping OTs are going to take advantage of is to take this opportunity to say, this is where we bring value to the agency. And in so doing, you're going to be bringing value to the OT profession. And I, you know, for somebody that I know who understands an awful lot about advocacy, I want Clarice to hop in here. I actually started out my career in home health. So I was, that was my very first job. Um, so I understand how easy it is as a new practitioner or a new grad to feel you know, powerless because you don't understand the regulation and you're relying on these companies or your boss to tell you what you can and cannot do in your job. And some things just don't sound right or don't feel right. And so this is one of those situations where we as practitioners and also as students, you know, have the opportunity to learn the change in regulation as it's happening so that we can be change agents in home health. Because this has been, you know, we had a huge haul over of home health under PDGM. And now we're having another big change in how healthcare can be administered in home health with this permanent rule. 
So this is really a great opportunity for occupational therapists um, and occupational therapy practitioners to be advocates in home health to really demonstrate the value of occupational therapy. We know that occupational therapy practitioners have so much value to bring to home health. And so it's really important for us to demonstrate that value that we bring through accurate scoring of the OASIS as well as Section GG because we're experts on activities of daily living, on functional cognition, and on functional mobility, all of which are assessed at those initial visits. Uh, so it's really important for us to highlight that we bring those skills to the team. And it's also an important opportunity for us to show our agencies how we can use these skills and bring our value by not only doing it ourselves, but also providing training to the rest of the interdisciplinary team on how to accurately score these items through observation. So not only are we providing a great value, but we're really bringing the whole interdisciplinary team and the agency up with us in accurate scoring. It's so easy to feel isolated in this kind of environment because you're not going into the office every day and working with the team. But it's important to remember that the OASIS is intended to be an interdisciplinary assessment. So it's really important to rely on your team and rise together. You know, like Karen said, we are a crucial part of reducing hospital admissions, which is really important to agencies. We're a crucial part to accurate scoring and bringing value for those quality metrics, all sorts of things. So this is really an opportunity for us to collaborate with our agencies and with this interdisciplinary team to make sure we're not only providing an excellent value to the patient, but also to the agency. And Clarice, can you explain how this new flexibility is different from the COVID-19 public health emergency flexibility? Yeah, so first and foremost, this is permanent. So this is a permanent change. It is not a temporary flexibility. So under the public health emergency or the PHE, OTs were able to initiate the OASIS even when skilled nursing was ordered. And so this was a temporary flexibility granted underneath the COVID-19 public health emergency to allow better access to patients, but also to take some of the burden off of nurses. And so this was implemented towards the beginning of the PHE. Now, this is different because, like I said, it's a permanent change. So the new Medicare flexibility allows for occupational therapists to conduct the initial assessment visit and complete the comprehensive assessment when OT is on the home health plan of care with either physical therapy or speech therapy. So when skilled nursing is ordered on that initial plan of care, once the PHE ends, the nurse does have to go back to initiating that OASIS if they're on the original order. But if nursing is not on the original order, which would be a therapy-only case, and it's either PT and OT, speech and OT, or all three, OT then is eligible to initiate the assessment. Because like Jen said, we are not yet a qualifying discipline. So if a Medicare home health order only has OT, then they're not qualified for the home health benefit. But we are able to initiate the OASIS on therapy-only cases once the PHE expires. So the PHE flexibility will go away, and this new flexibility is permanent. So this takes effect January 1st of 2022. Um, the PHE could, goes past that, so you will see kind of this confusion initially as to when OTs can do it. But it's important to remember, once the PHE ends, this change is permanent. And Karen, let's say that I'm an OT. How can I best prepare for initiating and completing the start of care? First, you got to take a good hard look at uh, where your strengths and weaknesses are. And um, there are a lot of things 
about going into performing a start of care visit that is more than just simply uh, tacking on tasks to your OT eval. So there might be some things that would be really helpful for you to get some training on. And you may want to have that conversation with your agency to see if your um, employer would assist with providing additional training. Now, the thing is, there are some things about the start of care that are required by regulation. There are other things that are required by your agency. And so even if you get good training online or with a, a consultant or something like that, you got to make sure that you understand what your agency requirements are. The other part or the third part to that is it may be <clears throat> those agency specific requirements are all tied to what your computer software system or your electronic health record are, are requiring as well. Have a conversation. See if you can get some assistance from them uh, to fill in the gaps of what you are already familiar with. Now, it'd be great if you can get support from your agency, but don't rely on that. Don't require that. I mean, this, we've hopefully made a pretty good argument for how much value performing these assessments can bring to your agency and can bring to your OT profession. So, you know, if you have to get it all on your own, there's still some value in you doing that. I believe there are some resources attached to this podcast that shows where you can go online and get free OASIS training, for example, uh, what CMS provides in the way of free uh, training for just OASIS data collection. But there might be some other pieces to that start of care that you also need to shore up as well. In addition to that, AOTA has training and resources specifically for OTs performing um, a start of care. We're putting together a micro-credential that provides training on the special functions of the start of care, how to uh, integrate your OT evaluation into the start of care process or vice versa. Now, it's not a complete OASIS training, but as I said, that's easily obtained for free online. But it really helps to understand the essential functions that happen during a start of care and um, how you can perform that and, and do it as efficiently as, as possible. Clarice, I think you provided a lot of those resources. Can you speak to those? Yes. So whenever I am doing my own research or trying to learn things, um, the first place I always go to look is AOTA as well as CMS. And so CMS has really a comprehensive, free and reliable training and resources um, in regards to the OASIS as well as other home health items. And so as Karen and I like to say, it's, it's really important to go to CMS because you're hearing it directly from the horse's mouth, right? You're hearing it directly from the people who developed this regulation and who developed the OASIS. And so obviously any training we can receive from our employers is always beneficial, but it's also important to receive that information directly from the source before it's been interpreted by others. And so CMS has great comprehensive and free resources on the OASIS as well as section GG training. Um, I think it's also important to note here that 
there are no parts of the OASIS that are outside of occupational therapy's scope of practice. We always hear concerns about that, especially when we're talking about that initial OASIS, but all parts of the OASIS are able to be assessed by an occupational therapist. Now, it is an interdisciplinary approach, but OT is capable of assessing those items. So we need to have some self-efficacy and take training really into our own hands and feel comfortable doing the start of care, especially if we're going to be advocating for agencies to use us. We wanna make sure that we feel comfortable. So it's valuable to receive that training from our employers, but it's also important that we take it into our own hands to make sure that we feel comfortable as well. So like anything, the first time you're gonna be scoring the OASIS, especially that initial visit, it can be uncomfortable um, it can take extra time, but just like anything else, it takes practice. So it's important to look up the resources to practice the OASIS even before you're going to be in front of that patient and really utilize those free resources that are available from CMS. They have recordings um, on YouTube on how to score the OASIS. The OASIS guidance manual is an excellent uh, PDF that you can utilize. So it's, we'll link it in the podcast, but you can also look it up on Google by Googling CMS Oasis D guidance manual. It's a long PDF, but what I like about that is that it takes every single section of the Oasis and really every question that's on the Oasis and breaks down how you can score it, what you should be considering, where you can collect the data from, all those sorts of things. Because even though it may seem straightforward, there are some little intricacies in those questions that may differ just slightly from how we normally document different assist levels and things like that in our regular therapy documentation. So it's important to look at those resources. Um, and like I said, you know, this isn't gonna cost a lot of money. All, all CMS resources are completely free to use. And so I, I've taken them before, printed them out and put them in my car that I can bring them with me. So if I, I'm not sure what I should do before I go into a visit, I have those resources quickly at hand. And they recently released even pocket guides, so PDFs that you can print out and cut out and put them on your badge, which is really helpful. That's awesome. Thank you, Clarice. The last question I would ask you is, what do you think is next for OT and home health? So it's important to remember that this type of legislation would potentially require it's a significant change and would most likely come along with a potential cost and anything with the cost typically has more trouble moving through the House and the Senate. Uh, it's important to remember that this language, it took over eight years to be included in a bill that was able to successfully pass through Congress. And so most likely a qualifying legislation, it would potentially take longer because of the price tag that's attached. And so for these kinds of initiatives, because they take time, this is exactly why I am an AOTA member, even from as a student and now continuing on into my practice because of these types of legislative efforts, because it takes time and it takes staff. Um, and so I know that my AOTA membership really supports these legislative efforts and allows me to share my story with AOTA through surveys, through speaking with staff so that they can report this subjective and objective data that they collect through surveys to CMS because CMS wants to know what's happening to clinicians who are in the field. And so being an AOTA member allows me to share my voice, share my stories and report on what's happening out in practice and it allows others to do that as well. So it's always important for me to tie that back that I'm an AOTA member because of changes like this. And Jen, do you have anything you want to add to this? 
just that we are excited that this policy is finally final. Um, we believe that we can build on the momentum from this new permanent flexibility and that agencies and policymakers will fully realize and support the value of allowing the flexibility for the most appropriate discipline to initiate the start of care, which can be occupational therapy. And, you know, to wrap up, both Clarice and Karen mentioned the resources that we included in the episode description. Jen, can you just speak a little bit about these resources and how they may be helpful for our listeners that want to learn more? It's really important to get information directly from CMS. Um, they do have great manuals. The pocket guides are a new resource that um, is sort of a more modern way for them to support um, practitioners as they're using the OASIS and understanding how to use it correctly and appropriately. Um, and AOTA, you know, we're trying to support members um, with, with education and resources. Um, you can always reach out to AOTA if you can't find something that you need or if you have an idea for something that you're not finding. We want to develop new resources as they're needed. To learn more about the Home Health Perspective Payment System Rule, check out our resources in the episode description or visit AOTA.org. Thank you, Jennifer Bogenreef, Karen Vance, and Clarice Grody for joining me today on the podcast. My name is Chelsea Rossborough with AOTA.